What's going on? You're listening to Pick 6. No Bradshaw today, but of course I'm joined by the lovely Jeff Wall, who arrived a little bit late today, but that's okay. We'll uh, still make up for it with a killer show. David Crosby is always behind the glass, the producer, making it sound so sweet, and I'm your host, Nolan Kangas. I, I didn't I didn't want to gloat right away. Monday, I show up. I've got the Vikings jersey. I've got the Vikings sweater. I've got the Vikings hat. And, and I didn't say too much to David, but... I had to rub it in a little bit. I didn't even get to watch too much of the game because I was traveling. But a Vikings, huge win on the road, 28-24. Kirky boy, Kirky Cousins, he wins the big ones now, guys. Uh, this might be a different Vikings team, but, David, you were upset pretty much the whole entire game. Was it just because of the play calling? Was it the struggling of uh, Ezekiel Elliott? What went wrong for the Cowboys in that game? Well, it was a few things, and Nolan, you are a consummate winner because, you know, you kept your snide remarks. It had to be less than two or three for the entire week, so kudos to you. Maybe it's because you saw I was pissed off the second I got in here. In fact, I haven't stopped being pissed off this entire week. I can't get this disgusting taste out of my (laughs) mouth. I'm going to start off and just say... Credit to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I wasn't overly impressed with Cousins. I think those two touchdown passes right basically on the goal line kind of inflated his stats a little. I thought the biggest problem was Dallas could not stop the run, and they especially couldn't stop the screen pass. Like, the entire first quarter, they are getting gashed on the ground, and I'm like, okay, maybe they're just, you know, they need to make a couple adjustments. They're going to figure this out. They did not figure it out out man and that was so frustrating to me on a day where Dak and the trio of wide receivers Cooper excuse me I'm getting choked up over here (laughs) Cooper and Gallup and even Cobb had a fantastic day and that defense didn't step up when we needed it I thought Elliott actually had a pretty decent game Obviously, the spotlight was on him when on second and two with time running out. You still have all three of your timeouts. What does Garrett do? He decides to run. Okay, that's fine. Ezekiel Elliott, he's your go-to guy. You want to build on the run. That's cool. Third and two. Let's see what he's going to do. Oh, my God. It's another run for no gain. All right. Fourth and two. Honestly, I would have kicked the field goal there. Personally, I understand why you go for it on fourth and two. You want to get a touchdown, but they could have won the game off of two field goals, which they ended up stopping the Vikings with those three timeouts. But okay, fine. You want to go for it on fourth and two? You throw an out route to Ezekiel Elliott that that had absolutely no chance of being completed. How many times do you think they practice that play? in practice never like you have three receivers who cannot be covered and you don't give one of them the ball on the most important drive of the game they're they're i'm done man i jason garrett is an embarrassment and i'm pissed I, I, I think we all know Garrett should be gone and you're talking about the play where it was the you know this almost a speed out to elliot there i think they should have audibled out of that right when you saw Eric Hendricks who's a really good uh, coverage linebacker. It's not like he's covering Cooper, right? Where Cooper would just burn him no matter what because he's one of the best route runners and best receivers in football. You should have switched out right away. So that was pretty bizarre to me. The screen passes, I don't know how many there was. What? Five or six? And when I was watching the highlights because I had to rewatch it the next day because I only caught you know five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was shocking how bad they were at stopping that. And I had to check They've allowed the second most receptions to running backs in football. 
That's that's wild. Has that been a, a huge issue all year? Like when you're watching the team, just seeing, oh boy, you know, you see the uh, the whole O line release and kick out, and then there it goes uh, running back. Uh, until this week, I don't think it really stood out for me, and here's why. The Cowboys have been getting off to terrible starts mm-hmm. this season when they face even a decent opponent, which against the Jets, of course, they're not even decent. And this team is not built to play from behind. And to me, that's the huge issue. Once again in this game, they fell behind 14 nothing. They did the same thing last week. I think it was 17 nothing. They can't, They just can't do this anymore. And when you let another team get out to a huge lead, like that, I think more often than not, you're going to be more susceptible to the run. You're trying to get turnovers. You're hoping to snag an interception. So I think having Leighton Vander Esch out had a huge impact on this game. His side-to-side speed, I think, would have stopped a lot of those passes out of the backfield sooner. But, man, he can't come back soon enough. Either way, it doesn't get any easier for those Cowboys. Obviously, you got uh, Detroit, who's been struggling a little bit this weekend, but then New England, Buffalo, Chicago, L.A. Rams, who's, you know, for some reason you're still high on. The Eagles, and you finish off with the Redskins, which could be a game where, you know, it's make or break. Uh, Vikings, obviously, they get Denver this uh, weekend, and then they're rocking and rolling into a bye. But let's talk, you know, we'll stay with the NFC. We saw that huge, that was one of the best games of the year for sure. The 49ers and Seahawks. Seahawks come away in overtime uh, with Jason Myers hitting the game winner. But, Jeff, I'll come to you on this one. You aren't a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo, but... Are are you still a believer potentially in San Francisco as the best team in the NFC? Yeah, I am. I think I think overall, I think they still are the best team. I think this week kind of proved that Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit limited or just still lacking that confidence that I, mm. I think we haven't seen from him all year. But obviously, you know, um, Jadavian Clowney just wrecked oh, that yeah. game. He he was to me like probably he was right there with Wilson as like the two best players that entire game. Um, and you know they they both really showed up. So they and they didn't make anything easy for for the 49ers. And obviously divisional game extra motivation. Now they're that much closer to possibly sneaking up on the 49ers and getting that division. But I still think they're far and away the best team in the NFC. I, I think so too. And, and, you know Clowney was unbelievable. Right, he almost had a game where. It kind of reminds you a little bit of that Khalil Mack game against Green Bay in the in the opener last year, where it was just this dude's unbelievable. He just could not be blocked, no matter what you know San Fran threw at him. But San Francisco's offense was without George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders for most of the game. They had nine drops. The receivers were bad. You know, Debo Samuel, he he was still pretty good. It's definitely a you know an eye opening game for him. But he had a couple bad drops too. And if you think about Jimmy Garoppolo's one interception, went right. Hit born right in the hands. Maybe it was a bit high, but still, if it's hitting you in the hands, what I say is if you can t- touch it, you can catch it. And, and, okay, sure, sometimes maybe it's a little and you just got a finger on it. But for something like that, you have both hands around the ball. That should never be dropped, and it should definitely not be an interception. So I think to that, if they're at full strength, this is the best team in the NFC. You saw how good their defense was. They did Like, Russell Wilson was still pretty good, but we've seen him play much better than that, right? That was the second... Uh, lowest uh, quarterback rating for him. And obviously, he threw a second interception, uh, second lowest yards per attempt for him. Right? It was a lot of you know, a lot of quick passes. You, you didn't see a lot over the top, the locket or Metcalf or anything of that sort. San Fran's a really good team. I might put Seattle at my number two. David, are you in the same boat? Seattle jumped San Francisco for me this week, and it's not just because of the win. We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo last week, and of course, yeah, not having Kittle and then watching Sanders go out pretty early in that game, it it was hard for him to succeed, no doubt about it, but I think... 
I just can't picture him putting three solid games together in the playoffs, if it comes to that, right? Um, I would much rather go with Russell Wilson, uh, who just his scrambling ability is is what really sets that team apart for me. When everything breaks down, I'm not sure there's a guy in the NFC you would rather have scrambling to try to get those last couple yards and another first down. So, no, I, I think San Francisco got a little bit exposed on the offensive end, and if Sanders can't get back healthy, they might be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, with Seattle, you definitely have the best player in football right now in Russell Wilson. I think at this moment, he's the MVP with Lamar Jackson just behind him and maybe Deshaun Watson there too. I like this offense. I think Josh Gordon is going to actually get more involved, and I think that was a really big pickup for him. Chris Carson's had the fumble issues. We know that. It's how much can this defense help them out. I I think they've stuck with getting these really long corners, which is what they had originally with Richard Sherman, and that's helped them out a little bit. You're talking about winning three games for, obviously, the 49ers. Is Jimmy Garoppolo right now better than Joe Flacco was in that year? Yeah, I I think he is, and... I mean, the offense isn't better, though, tailored to his skills through the air, meaning uh, Joe Flacco, you know, his deep ball was good. And that offense that year that they won the Super Bowl, I think it was perfectly tailored to his strengths where you can still rely on them getting yards through the air if they needed it. I'm not so sure that Garoppolo can do that. If there's a team that can shut down that run game, Maybe. I don't know if you can rely on Garoppolo to get you those yards and points that you need. So while he is a better quarterback, I think this offense through the air is worse than it was with Joe Flacco. But whose defense is better, the 49ers this year or that Ravens team? This 49ers defense, that, that's why I think, I, is better for sure. I think it can almost care. Maybe it's just the AFC was weaker that year and Joe Flacco just got a little bit hot. Because this NFC looks scary as well. You look at this, you know, the uh, Seattle's only losses. New Orleans without Drew Brees, so that's a little bit frightening. And, of course, the Ravens, where Lamar Jackson ran all over that team, and their defense was lights out. But let, let's move forward. Let's, you know, continue a little bit of NFC talk. There is, you know, one team in the NFC and one team in the AFC who are supposed to be thought of as real contenders, and they had some pretty bad losses. Let's get started with the Saints who I just mentioned. You have Drew Brees back, you have Alvin Kamara back, and they laid an egg. That was an awful performance to the team we've crapped on all year, which was the Atlanta Falcons. It was unbelievable. Is it just sort of one of those moments where, you know what, they just put up a stinker. They just had a bad game, and that happens to, you know, teams throughout the NFL. Atlanta was ran all over them, and we've, you know, Said Devonta Freeman's been that all like awful all year. So it was Brian Hill getting the load, twenty carries, sixty-one yards, and Alvin Kamara. I I don't know why Sean Payton went away from this because he had four carries in that game, six yards per carry. Why not keep running the ball against this awful run defense, which is the Falcons? And Drew Brees threw it forty-five times. It, it made no sense. To me, in the Falcons, who I think we also said they had four sacks in five games, got to Drew Brees. Six times in this game. Was this just a bad game from New Orleans? Are we seeing maybe some weaknesses in this one, Jeff? Um, I I think you know it's just like you said, kind of just bad um, bad strategy. You know, like they they ran the ball like no no running back had had, had anywhere near ten carries. Actually, I think the like we've we've seen the Saints team the 
the best thing they can always do is be stay balanced. Allow Drew Brees, yeah. you know, to hit them deep when when you start to suck that defense in closer towards the line of scrimmage. I think that's always been uh, you know a better strategy. And you know, we all know Drew Brees can dice any nearly any defense up, but it always helps when you, when you're running the rock. And and I think like to your point, they really didn't do that enough. Drew Brees throwing it over 45 times really just it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like especially like you said against a, a bad run defense. If you, I think when you're facing a bad run defense, you got to punish them yeah. because. Because if you can just ease, get those easy chunk plays on the ground, that's the easiest way to control a game in my mind. Like, has anybody run it 45 times on Cincinnati? I'd be hard to believe because everyone knows they're a bad run defense. So why don't you just, they can't stop it, right? So that should have been the same thing. Maybe it was just, they were just trying to be a little bit too cute. They thought this game was going to be, you know, absolutely steamrollers Falcons who have been awful all year. You're at home where I don't know how many times New Orleans has lost that home over the last maybe three or four years. But I, I, I doubt it's much. I, I, I can't see. It. Are you, David? Are you sort of thinking the same thing? Whereas hey, maybe it was just a bad game, and they'll regroup next week. I'm not worried about them. I do think this was just sort of a one-off where they underestimated the Falcons. I think, honestly, that's what it came down to. They thought, this is like a bit of a practice week for us to get Drew Brees and Michael Thomas back in sync together, get this offense clicking. And, you know... <sighs> Look, a lot of teams now like to set up the run by passing early. And I do get that if you don't have a one dominant running back. Either uh, Alvin Kamara is not right mm-hmm. and not fully healthy, which might be possible. True. He's he's lacking a little bit of that explosiveness, and he hasn't always been the most explosive runner, but normally he is extremely hard to take down, yeah. and I don't think he's been all that hard to take down in the latter portion of this early going here in the season, so maybe he needs to get a little bit more healthy, but yeah, bad game plan out of the gate. you got to run on that defense because similar to Dallas, if you fall behind early in a game and you're forced to throw and not go to your biggest strength which is your run game it's gonna end up costing you you know maybe because i think Kamara had one or two weeks off but still you don't have to rush him back for a game against atlanta when latavius murray is a pretty capable running back he's probably the what the best backup running back in football I, i i can't see an argument you know for anybody else in the moment but Maybe I guess we're saying we're not too concerned about New Orleans. One team I'm actually really concerned about is the Kansas City Chiefs. We've talked so much about the Jekyll and Hyde, which is the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, we got the better of the Titans. But still, Derrick Henry, 188 yards, 8 yards per carry is unacceptable if you're any defense. And Ryan Tannehill had a better quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes, who had 450 yards and 3 touchdowns. How... This was just insane how this game unfolded. And we think, oh, Titans are up. Oh, all right, here comes Mahomes. Here comes Mahomes. And then the Titans kept pushing back. This defense is so bad. And, and, and you know what's going to happen? I, I think there's no shot they get a bye, right? They're playing in, in that wild card weekend. It's going to be against either Tennessee, a team you lost to, or the Colts. Probably a, a team you lost. That's the only thing I, I see going on right now. Jeff, are you concerned about Kansas City right now? Like, are you almost saying... There's no shot they're making the Super Bowl. Man, you know what? It's it's tough to see with, especially with you know a, a bad defense like that. Because yeah. if you think about it, who are they? Okay, you know maybe okay. Let's say they even get through the wild card round. You go to New England. I don't think that there's anybody mm-hmm. on that team that they would be able to tackle properly. And then Lamar Jackson. You know, you know that Heisman backfield. I don't think that there's no. any way that they can stop any of those playmakers there either. And I don't. And we've seen even last year when the defense was a little bit better. 
even then, Patrick Mahomes still wasn't able to completely carry the entire team on his back. It's just a tough task against the best that the AFC has to offer. I'll say right now, I think, I think they're clearly not one of the top three teams in the AFC. I, I definitely pick New England over them. Baltimore over them in Houston. And we saw what Houston, even though Baltimore lost to Kansas City early in the year, and now we're getting this, you know, Lamar Jackson who's, you know, tearing it up. I think Baltimore would run over this team. And Houston's already beaten Kansas City. David, do you think they're, you know, almost out of that top four, or do you still believe in them a little bit? Well, they're definitely a top four team. And listen, I don't think there is that much separation between two and four here and I would agree Mm. New England should still be considered the best team only because when you look at their playoff history you know how they're going to perform in the playoffs they are not going to have a completely terrible game whereas I could see any of those next three teams laying an egg on any given week they're just not consistent enough any of them but here's why I'm not too worried and listen Tennessee like I can't figure out what the hell is going on here, but they should not have won that game. When you look at the statistics, Kansas City needs to sell out to stop the run because they still had four sacks. They were on the field for, let me get this exact time of possession, 38 minutes to 22 for Tennessee. At a certain point, you have to say, look, uh, us getting to the quarterback is not stopping this offense. We need to sell out, stop the run. Patrick Mahomes did everything right that game. That offense still looked good. Well, they couldn't run the ball, and I I don't know who their best back is on that team right now. LaShawn McCoy getting scratched was kind of a little bit weird to me. It was a rest day, right? It was almost like a load management. I wouldn't panic too much at this move. I think they're guaranteed to be a playoff team. They need a change on the defense. I don't know what it is, but they have to find a way to stop the run, even if that is allowing a little bit less coverage in the backfield for guys to get open and just make the quarterback beat you. Clearly, this defense is holding this team back. I think everybody knows that. And I, as a foot, like if my football team was going against Kansas City, I would not be scared at all to face this defense. No, no chance, no chance. The only thing you're prepping all week, offense, you guys do what you do, and defense, let's work on stopping Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Because other than that, I, I think I, I just can't see any. I can't see Kansas City beating any of those three teams above them. I, I, when it comes to playoff time, no shot, especially if they're on the road. No shot. But I guess we'll see for another day. Obviously, uh, Kansas City still has a little ways to go. Uh, New Orleans, we said we're fine with. They have uh, the rest of their schedules actually against uh, teams all above 500, except for those Falcons who they just lost to. Pretty bizarre. But let's talk about a team who's actually been a little bit shocking. We'll be quick on this. Jeff earlier in the year said he didn't really understand this trade, and I was in the same boat. I I didn't really like it too much either because I thought it was maybe giving up too much. But since acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick, the Steelers have been unbelievable. They're you know they're five and two. They're allowing seventeen points per game, and in in those those two losses, they lost to San Francisco by four points in San Francisco and lost by three to Baltimore in overtime. It's crazy. They're you know, yards per play is tied for fifth in the NFL. Yards after the catch is third lowest in the NFL. They're ninth best in the red zone. And, you know, since those two ugly games in the beginning of the year, and obviously, you know, the one where New England absolutely destroyed them, they're 12th in yards per game, 11th in passing yards per game, and 10th in points per game allowed. It's crazy. Jeff, are you thinking this trade is sort of panning out now for the future? Yeah, and you know what I thought about it is um, 
when was the last time that the Steelers really had a great playmaking safety? It's pretty much been Troy Polamalu yeah. and Ryan Clark. That was the last time they had that kind of guy. And, you know, Mike Tomlin likes that aggressive zone blitz style defense. I think you need a guy in the back, at the back end that can make plays and make great decisions and get on the, get on that ball and create turnovers because, you know, they, they have uh TJ Watt. They got, uh, they, they got uh, Lee in, in the middle of the field. Now they got Cameron Hayward. He's, he's doing great too. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of got a little bit at, at every stage of their defense, which I think is what Tomlin's kind of needed because it seems like over the past couple of years, their offense has been performing great, but Tomlin's been struggling to figure out who can he get a little bit more out of yeah. from his defense. And now he's finally got it. So, I mean, I'm just amazed that the offense is staying on schedule as, as much as it, as it has been. And the defense obviously has been, been phenomenal. Dave, could you imagine if Big Ben was playing quarterback for this team? They, they, they might... I don't even. They, I can't even understand what their record would be because their quarterback play has actually been terrible. But you look at James Conner, who hasn't even had his best year, has been you know still pushing them a little bit. Juju's trying to do it all he can. The line has obviously been unbelievable, and they always are. But you're right. This defense is kind of finding their identity. Watt might might win Defensive Player of the Year. Like he's been that good. And if it wasn't for Bosa, Devin Bush is right there for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I love love that pairing, or I guess the trio moving forward. With Bush, Fitzpatrick, and Watt, you're gonna have to pay all of them, but it might be worth it, right? You have the, you know, that linebacker who can stop the run and get after the quarterback. You have your pass rusher, which is one of the most important positions in football, and your guy who can cover and cover all over the field. It doesn't matter whether whether he's covering a tight end, whether it's you know running back leaking out or receiver, he can do it all. I really like Pittsburgh actually getting into the playoffs this year, and it's crazy. We thought. That Miami early on might have two top five picks. Like, are you how shocked are you with Pittsburgh right now? Listen, I think this might be the football gods just reaching down and moving <laughs> the chess pieces here to kind of tell Miami this is what you get for tanking. I'm not going to go back and revise what I thought of the trade when it happened because I think Pittsburgh got extremely lucky to string four wins together here. I don't care that the Dolphins suck. The Steelers should have lost that game. I watched that entire game. They were horrible, man. And they got really, really lucky that they won that game. I think the the win against the Colts, if Brissett's in and healthy that whole game, there's no chance they win that game. They were bad in that one, too. I will credit the defense. They won that game sure. against the Rams this week. They were absolutely fantastic. And listen, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's been incredible. Way, way better than I could have ever expected. But to offer that first-round pick without lottery protection, listen, they may make the playoffs. They're not going to be anywhere near a top-five pick just based on their schedule they get the Browns twice the Bengals the Jets the Bills who aren't that great uh it seems of late the Cardinals of course they're going to get smashed by the Ravens but listen this is their record is going to be better than I think the quality of this team deserves and I think they got really really lucky Fitzpatrick is going to end up likely being worth the pick that they're going to trade for him which is probably going to be middle of the draft I think if this team finished where their talent says they should, I think it was a bad trade. I don't know, man. Like, just looking at... So, I think their defense has been, you know, unreal. So, oh my God. It's just crazy to think that clearly Mason Rudolph isn't the guy moving forward. And I think they're going to have to ask Ben, how much longer do you think you can go, man? Because we really need you out here. They're going to be a playoff team, regardless, like you just said, what their schedule is. It's awful. 
Yeah, it's crazy, and they'll probably get pumped in the playoffs no matter what, but isn't it wild that their only losses, you have that really bad one to the Pats. Obviously, I, I washed it out. Yeah, lost by two to Seattle, lost by four to the Niners, and you lost lost to those Ravens by three. Well, and, and here's crazy. here's another reason why I don't like it. As you mentioned, Mason Rudolph is not their quarterback of the future. Yeah. I think they maybe didn't realize that at the time they make the trade. They made this trade with Miami. But having a first-round pick in this upcoming draft, if you didn't have Fitzpatrick yeah. and your pick was better than it's going to end up being, there is some damn good quarterbacks in this draft. And I barely watch college football, and I know three quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round in this draft. I think they missed out on an opportunity here to upgrade at the most important position. And I think it was Maybe. for nothing. Yeah, they might make a playoff run here. You know, they they didn't waste a season. But I think nobody should be, you know, kidding themselves that this is a potential Super Bowl team any time in the next no. few years with Rudolph at quarterback. I don't know. We'll move. We'll move past this. Obviously, I think it, it's an interesting story that you know you make the one trade, and it's almost like the Amari Cooper thing last year, where they were bad. They go get Amari Cooper. And Dallas goes on a roll and wins a game in the playoffs. And I don't think Pittsburgh has a chance to do that this year. But I kind of like that they said, this is a guy we need. This is a guy who reminds us maybe a little bit of Troy Polamalu, who Jeff mentioned earlier. I don't know. I think it's just a different story. But, you know, we'll talk quickly about an AFC North team if I can go on a little tangent here. Cleveland Browns are the worst fans in sports. And I was at First Energy Stadium on the weekend. Miserable. Like, you know, it was a good time. This these fans suck more than anything. I'm watching the game. I'm trying to enjoy it. And this maybe, I don't know, 16, 17-year-old is yelling the whole time, run the ball, give it the chub, run the ball, give it the chub. And it was on that drive where they had eight attempts at the goal line and didn't score any points. And the only two positive plays were passing plays where it got called for pass interference. And still, this guy consistently yells, give it the chub. Well, it's not working, buddy. Clearly, you're not watching the game. You have no idea what's happening. And then I think they allowed maybe a, a, you know Josh Allen made a nice throw, and it was a hook for eight, eight yards, seven yards. And he just yells, oh, my God, why are we playing zone right now? And it wasn't zone. It, it was clearly, man, and the guy, just whether it was John Brown, ran a nice route. And I'm like, just shut up and watch the game. And then, of course... You see the fake, you know, obviously, uh, I guess the fake fumble, you know, fumble gate, whatever it is, where Baker throws it forward and it gets the rule of fumble initially, and Hughes goes and scores a touchdown. Oh, it's coming back. So many fans were leaving. Just You could just see floods of people leaving the stadium. It was almost like the, the Miami and San Antonio game where, you know, San Antonio looks like they're going to win the championship. And once they some people hear that the play got turned back, they start coming back. They these fans get torn apart. You're a fake fan. You don't deserve to wear the colors. I'm glad the guy were behind me. He was already gone. So perfect. And then once they score a touchdown later on, these fans are yelling at Bills fans and going, "Wow, I'm not even a Bills fan. I could care less about these teams." But just no wonder this city is so miserable. Why don't you just relax, enjoy the game, and just no one wants to care about your opinion. Because clearly you're not smarter than the people on the field. So just shut up. It just drove me nuts. And it almost, it didn't ruin the time. Because obviously, you know, you have a couple drinks, you're laughing, you know. 
these people made it miserable for everyone else. Do not be that person at a football game that thinks you know everything when clearly you don't. That's all I wanted to say. But let's move on to winners and losers. Sorry, you wanted to chime in? Oh, I can't move on. after. First of all, that was a great story. I could picture you in that crowd right there shaking your head. But listen, I just want to quickly, quickly talk about Freddie Kitchens and yeah, his he was play bad, calling He's there so bad. Uh, in the red zone. I, for some reason, I kept picturing, I mean, we've been w- making demo tapes here at school, putting some stuff together. I just pictured somebody putting this demo tape of Kitchens running 12 plays in a row and he can't get more than two yards and get in the end zone. Like that was... That had to be the worst couple sequences I've seen all season long. That was embarrassing, man. Clearly, it's weird. All the fans love Chubb, and maybe they hate a little bit of Mayfield. And if Odell drops a pass, you hear them screaming. But everyone wants Kitchen's head. They they want him gone. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's true. Maybe he's been that bad. But one thing I did want to touch on Cleveland— Watch out for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield together. That was scary. That was really hard to defend for Buffalo, who's a really good defense. But let's move on to winners and losers. Clearly, those fans, maybe they're winners, maybe they're losers. Either way, I hate them. Uh, But my winner, I'll get us started here. And Sorry, Jeff, you're not going to like it. I like the rest of the NFC North other than Chicago, simply for the reason that Mitchell Trubisky had the most yards per attempt in a game this season with 7.5, his highest quarterback rating in a game this year with 131, and his second-best completion percentage other than that Bears route over the Redskins. Uh, he had three touchdowns, zero interceptions against a really bad Detroit team. I think Chicago's going to hold on to him for maybe the rest of the year, and maybe next year just because of a game like this, where they they think it gives him a little bit of hope. Whereas, you know, the rest of the NFC North is, knows this guy clearly isn't an NFL quarterback. And maybe the Bears, they're just stuck with it because they have a, such an obnoxious, you know, front office. And, of course, a head coach who's just – his head's in his butt. He, he's the most annoying head coach I've ever – maybe he's worse than Kitchens. But some of the stuff he was saying the other day about Montgomery and, you know, what ended up being the uh, Pinheiro missing the field goal, could not believe that. But, yeah, that, like that is my winner. The rest of the NFC North other than Chicago. Jeff, sorry. <laughs> That was pretty good. That's a, that's a good summary of the Chicago Bears right now. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better, to be honest with you, Nolan. Uh, my winner has to be Russell Wilson. I mean, like, I know he, he threw the pick late, but, you know, it seemed he went up against, I would say, probably the best defense, I think, talent-wise on paper in, in the NFL sure. right now. Um, and for the most part, they were taking away a lot of deep throws. You could see Wilson had to hang onto the ball a bit longer, but he also escaped the rush. He, he made the most of what he could in that game against the best. We've, we've all I pretty much pretty much agreed the best team yeah. in the NFC. So great, great, great day for for Russell Wilson. It just keeps adding on to the MVP uh, campaign. Uh, David, who do you guys have as a winner? Uh, it's Ryan Tannehill, and listen, oh, he is boy. showing teams around the league. I'm a competent game so. manager, man. Like, I'm not going to light the world on fire, but if you have a decent team and you want to give me a little bit of cheddar next year, you know, I can get it done for you. I can get you to 9-7, and 10-6. and six. Really good for him. As terrible as that Kansas City defense is, listen, he's a clear upgrade in Tennessee, and if they don't offer him a contract, he's going to be under center somewhere next year. Who does Tennessee play this upcoming week? They're on a bye. They're on a bye. Because I, I like it. I, I really like the way that Tennessee's moving right now. And it sucks because, you know, as an Oregon guy, I loved Marcus Mariota coming out of school. He just didn't pan out, unfortunately, whether, you know, we, we, for whatever reason. But so for let's wait for that Titans-Jaguars game, which is November 24th. The, that pick six. 
Let's rank where Ryan Tannehill is as quarterbacks in the NFL because I actually want to see where we all put him because I think he's the most basic average quarterback there is because he gets the good games, he has the bad games, he's just average. But I, I want to see where he ends up being. Uh, Jeff, you can get me started with a, a loser, though. I got to go with Jimmy G. I mean, I know, I, I, I agree. I, I noticed the drops as well in that game, and there were definitely some balls that those receivers sort of caught or just hung on to through, through the traffic. I have to go with him just because this was the moment where we wanted to see, hey, can can you, like, lead a decent drive down the field, right? And I, I didn't see it. I mean, it was mostly the running game, getting them in position and, and the turnover to get that uh, near game-winning field goal almost mm. at the end there in overtime. So it, to me, Jimmy G, his stock goes down even further, in my opinion. Yeah, it wasn't his best. It was weird in the fourth quarter and overtime, and I think there was a little bit of uh, bad clock management by Kyle Shanahan when I think it was a minute 20 left in the game and Seattle had no timeouts. He could have just ran the ball through, you know, three times and then just punted away and there's no way Seattle hits a field goal and, you know, you're fine with a tie. He just doesn't seem confident in a lot of throws. And, it, and I was saying a little bit on Twitter, at Nolan Rankin, if you want to follow, shout out. But you can see him drop back and he looks at that first first option all the time and it's almost you're thinking when you're watching he's gonna throw this ball isn't he almost picked off it's so weird and there's gonna be a few times where he had maybe three interceptions in that game it was bizarre jeff i like the pick david who do you have as a loser it's got to be the indianapolis colts and uh, listen i don't want to blame them but they are definitely the loser here brian hoyer having to roll him out man that was absolutely painful in no way shape or form did i ever imagine that indianapolis could have lost to miami no matter who they were putting out on the field it's sad, man. To me, I think it's pretty clear. I've been pulling for him this season. Indy's going to miss the playoffs at this point. And, and listen, in today's league, you need two competent quarterbacks. This is why I don't think it's their fault. They had two great quarterbacks yeah. coming into the season, obviously. Andrew Luck went ahead and retired, and they didn't have the opportunity or the means to upgrade that backup quarterback spot. It cost them, man. They're not going to make the playoffs, and it's sad. Who is a better shot at making the playoffs, Oakland or Indianapolis? Oh, I think it's Oakland 100%. <laughs> really? Isn't that wild? We were cra- well, I was crapping on him, and now John Gruden, he's got him going the right way. Uh, my loser, it's got to be the Los Angeles Rams. Gosh, that some for some reason, David still likes his team. They're 5-4. and four. You're starting quarterback who just got that mega contract. He hasn't had a game where he's completed 60 per- 60% of his throws since week four, where they lost by 15 at home, allowing 55 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your running back, Todd Gurley. We we consider him the best running back in football. That's no longer. That, that is clearly no longer. He's on pace. Well, well, first of all, he's 23rd in rushing, 4.1 yards per carry, which is his second lowest amount since his sophomore campaign. He has 150 receiving yards this season. 10 yards per game catching the ball. Two years ago, 750-plus yards. Last year, almost 600 receiving yards. What the hell is going on with this offense when you had Sean McVay? Oh, he's a guru. He can do this. He can do that. Goff has more total turnovers than total touchdowns. And your running back, whether it's arthritis or something's going on, they can't figure it out. Where your defense actually isn't playing that bad, your offense, who is supposed to be the next, you know, Jesus Christ, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, listen, we give a lot of credit to Sean McVay, and I think it was a couple weeks ago Bradshaw mentioned that he still had McVay as the number three coach in his rankings. Listen, Todd Gurley, I don't care what you think of how he's been this season. He was good this past week. He He was. He was averaging 6.1 yards a carry. He didn't get a single damn touch in the fourth quarter. And when Sean McVay was asked about it after, he said, quote, 
that was just kind of the rotation. So no. you mean that was kind of what you decided? That was kind of preordained before you went into the fourth quarter? What the hell does that mean? That was kind of yeah. the rotation. Oh, I didn't go to my best player on that day and the most important time of the game. That was a joke, man, which I'm going to take this to the next level without you even throwing it to me. Todd Gurley's my stud this week, baby, because Sean McVay, man, if they lose this week, even I might have to get off this wagon at this point. Like, the Rams have got to win, and McVay needs to look in the mirror and say, listen, maybe 80% of Todd Gurley is still my best option right now because if your quarterback can't complete a damn pass more than seven yards down the field, you got to run the ball. Dude, uh, this is to me doesn't look like a playoff team. You have uh, you have Gurley as your stud this week against Chicago. Gurley's my stud, baby. I'm going all in. <laughs> so they have Chicago. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that down as a loss. Even though Chicago's played really bad too, I just think that defense, even though they haven't played their their best, we saw what happened and what they did to Jared Goff last year. Baltimore, Baltimore's going to run all over them. That's a loss. Cardinals, let's say they win that, they're going to lose to Seattle. They might lose to Dallas. They might, they're probably going to lose to the 49ers. And then they have the Cardinals to finish off the year. This team, right now, is might be seven and nine. And, and that's why when I look at the upcoming schedule, they cannot afford to lose no. this week whatsoever. Like no. This is a do-or-die game. They could play their best football of the, of the season the rest of the way here, and if they don't win this week, they're done. So get the cortisone shots out. Listen, this might be inappropriate. I, I don't even care. Get, get the shots out. Get the ice rub out for Gurley. You're carrying it 25 times today, buddy, because we need you. Yeah. And what's crazy is because, obviously, I think he had the most carries, maybe other than Zeke, over the last three years. And, you know, 2017, 2018, he had 12 100-yard games tied with Ezekiel Elliott for the most 100-yard games in that span. He has zero this year. He needs to be getting the ball. Obviously, David has Gurley as his stud. That's kind of a bold pick going against Chicago. But, Jeff, who do you have as a stud this week? My stud is Tyreek Hill. Because uh, I just I just think that there's no way this Kansas City— I mean, like, you know, you just saw, like, they, they know what their defense can do to hurt them. So mm -hmm. they got to be throwing the ball. they got to be an Aaron. And plus, Tyreek Hill's been looking great these last couple weeks. I, I don't understand how defenses haven't scripted to stop this guy. Because even I, I know David was really high on him too, and I, to me, I I was just like I, he seems like he can only run a couple routes. He he's developing more into a good route runner, but it's just like he, he's basically just running flies and they throw a jump ball where he can see it, and the other guy's focusing on catching up to him speed wise, and then he'll make the adjustment and grab it. It's crazy. He did that all uh, all of what was that last week to the Vikings? I I couldn't handle it. Yeah, do you guys ever watch movies with the flash in it? This is what it reminds me of. Like, he's running at hyperspeed, and in his mind, everything's moving, you yeah. know, just normal. He can track the ball. He sees defenders coming at him. And, and the guys on the other side of the ball, it must feel like this guy is a blur going by. The reason defenses can't stop him is because Usain Bolt can't play defense in the <laughs> NFL, man. Good luck. I don't care if you put two guys on him. It's the same problem with Lamar Jackson. How do you f stop somebody who is so much faster and so much more elusive than you? It's nearly impossible. Uh, obviously, I like the Tyreek Hill pick. I'm going to pick a receiver who's better than Tyreek Hill, and I think we could all agree, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, 
hands down is the best receiver in football. He's going against the worst secondary in football, which just allowed, what, 150 yards and three touchdowns to Christian Kirk? Hello. Michael Thomas is going to have a field day. doesn't matter if you double cover him, single cover him. I, I think Saints are going to roll in this game. Alvin Kamara might be slow, but Michael Thomas is going to deliver again. i, I got to check the numbers again. I think he's had 80 receiving yards in every single game this year, which is unbelievable. right? Obviously, he leads in catches. He leads in yards. Just if I can be super quick... He's had three straight 100-yard games, right? He's had ah, uh, he's had 50 in every game, but he's had five catches in every single game. So that's pretty unbelievable if you think about how hard that is to do when you know so much focus is being put on you. Uh, but I'll get us started with a dud, Alshon Jeffrey. Philadelphia's been very odd this year. They've had a couple of good games. If you think of the Green Bay game in Lambeau, how good they were. And they put up some stinkers, the one where, you know, David was probably on his high horse against the Cowboys, where they look awful. Jeffrey still has to drop issues, which seems like it's been carrying over since that playoff game against New Orleans, where he basically cost them the game a little bit. But against New England, Stephon Gilmore is going to be shattering him. It's not going to be pretty. I, I, I think it's going to be closer than people expect because New England hasn't really played anyone good other than Baltimore, who literally ran them all over so i i think it's going to be a closer game but i think they're going to be relying on jordan howard and it just came out he's questionable so we'll see what happens maybe miles sanders gets a lot of looks alshon jeffrey will not have a good game david who do you have as a dud great great pick on the alshon jeffrey he had some disgusting drops this past week man that, that was terrible and i just want to say one thing whichever one of these two teams in the nfc east bumbles and trips their way into the playoffs and ends up getting home field advantage over a team that's way better than them and getting blown out like neither of these teams deserve to be in this no. playoffs right now and it's getting really ugly but my dud this week it's carlos hyde and listen mm. he had a career day in london uh that past week he had 160 yards against the jaguars i think he cools off this week big time obviously <clears throat> Uh, I don't see another career day like that, but Baltimore's defense, they are really good, and he's going to fall back down to earth. Yeah, that's going to be the game of the week, by the way. Houston versus Baltimore. Heisman winner versus Heisman runner-up. That That is going to be so much fun. That's the game I'm diving into for sure. Uh, but, Jeff, who do you, you have as a dud? My dud is going to be Mark Ingram because I, th- I just think mm. that the Texans are going to know that they they have to be stack that box up the, the run. They've proven this year that they can do a pretty good job stopping the run. And, you know, I think it's going to be com- coming down to Lamar Jackson having to gun it out with Deshaun Watson. And I think that that will be the strategy that they go with. Just keep the ball in Lamar's hands as much as possible. They, they've seen what he can do to bad defenses. They've seen what he can do to great ones. Keep the ball in the hands of your best player. And he was really, or sorry, not uh, Mark Ingram. That Texans run defense was unbelievable when we talk about the London game and how they contained Leonard for really like the pick i'll get to start with a sleeper i'm gonna go a guy who i think he's a rookie this year but gosh he looks 49 years old hunter renfro the receiver for the oakland raiders he's been on fire recently uh against the chargers 42 yards 54 yards against the lions and a touchdown 88 yards and a touchdown against the texans i really like the way that he's been getting put in this offense tyra williams has really slowed down and he was the clear-cut number one with darren waller hunter renfro 
I really like that duo in parallel. I was going to go Josh Jacobs as my stud. I thought everyone was going to pick Josh Jacobs because it's against Cincinnati. So um, I, I decided to go with Renfro. Anybody on this Oakland offense is going to have a field day. I'm going to pick Renfro uh, just because he's not really owned. I picked him up this week, though. So he is starting for me this week in fantasy. Usually we pick people who we have no shot of actually putting in a league. He is starting for me. David, give me a sleeper. Listen, I just want to rewind back to week two or three when I had Renfro on my bench and I got made fun of, and here he is starting for you this week. Yeah. So it's sure funny how things work out, isn't it? But uh, my sleeper this week is going to be on the Dallas Cowboys, and you mentioned him. It's Cobb. Cobb had a fantastic mm. game this past week. He put up 106 yards and a touchdown against Minnesota. Michael Gallup has really impressed me this year, and I think he's showing he's a clear number two receiver. With Cooper and Gallup taking so much attention from this D Detroit defense, I think Cobb's going to be open in the middle of the field a ton, and I think he's worth a good pickup. Love the pick. Yeah, Gallup's been really surprising this year. Only 33 catches, but still 500 yards, 500-plus uh, yards uh, in three touchdowns. I think that is a really good number two moving forward, especially for Dak. Um, so Let me ask you, who's that guy on the Lakers, Caruso, who looks like he's 42? Oh, my God, well? eh? Him and Renfro be, like, best friends? I, I think so. I'm pretty sure he's a second- or third-year player. It is it is shocking how, how much he's aged. But you know, so what? They're playing good. They're playing good basketball and good football. Jeff, who do you have as a sleeper? Uh, my sleeper is Ted Ginn, and this one's definitely Ooh. surprising. He's only owned by ten percent of leagues, um, and it's just. I just think that, like you know, this is this past defense is god awful. That's it for another edition of Pick Six. We'll see you next week.